wonderful to be together in a beautiful season of the of the calendar year and of the liturgical year. We um, Jim, we've been so blessed um, over the last probably probably couple of months. I think the series has been running um, on this on this series of being God's image and. Um, it's been uh, my, my intention today is to try and pull some strands from that and connect them with uh, this season of Advent that we find ourselves in. Um, and if you've missed any of those Sundays, each one kind of built on the one before it. So if you miss one, I'd really encourage you to go back and, and listen to those talks. They were, uh, I, I personally was incredibly blessed by them. And um, you can listen to them uh, via your whatever podcasting app you use or on uh, the urbanvineyard.church website or on the Easy Church app. Just so many ways to get it. Um, and uh, But as Hayden so beautifully uh, spoke and as Johnny reminded us, we are now in the beginning of the season of Advent, the, the end of the Gregorian calendar, but the beginning of the liturgical calendar, the church calendar. So, um, and again, the, the, I guess the... Always the, the the temptation in a season like this is kind of go yada yada yada. I've you know for me this is my sixty uh, seventh Advent event, and um, kind of familiar with it. And yet I find myself still learning things. So that's my hope today that we would that we might learn something, um, and that the Lord might touch us as a result of of hearing that. So this 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 thing of Advent. Uh, it literally, well, it's, it's translated from a Latin word, eventus, which just simply means coming. So it's, it's the season of anticipating the coming of Christ. And, uh, and Advent begins four Sundays, the, the fourth Sunday before Christmas. And, uh, and it's, a, it's the moment when we, we look back, right back in the Genesis 1, and, uh, and, we, and we then follow the story of God and the story of God's people through the Old Testament and then into the New Testament. And, and we, we kind of land on Jesus' first coming when he was born as a baby in Bethlehem. And we pause, we consider all that that must have meant and all, all that it would have meant to the people at that time. We, you know, we're such a privileged people because we live on this side of, of, uh, of Bethlehem. We live on this side of the cross. And, and uh, you know, we have so much literature that, that helps us understand what the season meant. But for those, for those folks on that first, uh, first Christmas, um, there, was, there was this longing. There was this expected waiting that, that one day, you know, there were people living under, under cruel domination. And, and they were longing for a rescuer to come, for the Messiah to come. And, uh, and so Advent is, is kind of trying to touch that feeling, but not only that. Um, because one of the things that we want to do is we want to ponder how the creator of the universe entered the human race and, and, and that he chose to do it in the same way every one of us entered the human race, that, that he was conceived and, and that he was born as a completely helpless baby. You know, it's, it's helpful for us to... To consider the, you know, this Jesus who we love and we serve as coming into this world as a helpless, crying, pooping, feeding baby. You know, it, it's, uh, I, I mean, it, it honestly still does my head in to think that the creator of the universe would, would, would come to that, uh, to that place of helplessness. 
And, and you know, for many people, as, as we prepare in this season, it, it, some, it can only be about Christmas. You know, we, we, I, you know, we sing the songs, away in a manger, no crib for a bed. You know, the stories of, uh, we, we put our nativity scene up um, yesterday, and um, I backlit the manger, and then um, my beloved Victoria says the manger wasn't backlit. So, uh, so the lights went on the roof, and, and um, you know, it's it's this. I, I mean, I've always loved Christmas, and um, the whole, you know, all, all everything that's around it. Um, but it's a, a, it's a really good moment for us to just to pause uh, and to think about this this the wonder of this brave uh, teenage woman who was betrothed but not yet married. Um, and a courageous and a righteous young man who was going to provide a home and a family and a name for this baby. And, and I guess, you know, again, for many in, in, our, in the culture that we find ourselves immersed in, you know, this season is, is only about Santa, and, and it's only about, you know, going out and buying gifts and, you know, eating ridiculous amounts of food and then paying for it for the year after. But our story is much, much richer than that. It's, you know, I, I, I kind of I love all of that, but it's much, much richer than that. It's much deeper. It's much broader. It's the story of rescue and redemption. It's the, it's the miracle of God becoming one of us in order to reach every one of us. And so it's, it's just this moment for us to take another look at that story again as, as far as it's currently in, uh, unfolded. Um, for, for us as Christians, as I say, our story is a much deeper story than just the Christmas story. Um, it's uh, as is fitting with a triune God. There's three parts to Advent. There's there's three aspects to it. There's the past, the present, and the future. There's Martin Luther, the great reformer, said this. He says there's three Advents: the triple coming of Christ, first in the manger, uh, and then and then finally at the end of the age, he'll come in glory in the second coming, and then constantly there's the coming of Christ into our hearts in our daily experience. So there's this past, present, and future experience of it. Um, Tish Harrison Warren has written a, a, she's written a, a number of lovely books, uh, but she's written this book that uh, uh, was just released a couple of weeks ago on Advent. And she says in there, we Christians believe, however, not just in one coming of Christ, but in three. The coming of Christ and the incarnation. Uh, the coming of Christ in what the scripture terms the last days and the coming of Christ in our present moment through the Holy Spirit's work and through word and sacrament. Advent celebrates and holds together all these three comings of Christ. I'm, I'm going to come back to the second two in a few moments, but, but I want to, again, pull those threads from the series that we've been in and go back to Genesis uh, 1, 2, and 3 in those, in those days of, of creation. You know, and in, the, and in the first verses of the Bible, we see God over the course of six days. I, I, I want to borrow uh, Jonathan's um, picture, that he, the illustration that he put up on, that, on the very first message, and it's kind of popped up through the series, um, of, of what the creation story is about. That God creating, creating a temple here in the, in the created universe. And, um, and in, those, in those first six days of creation, he creates three domains and then fills those domains with their respective inhabitants, culminating in the creation of humanity, which God just declared as being very good. And, and we were given a, a work to do, uh, which N.T. Wright said, it's like we are to be an angled mirror, uh, reflecting God's wise order into the world 
and reflecting the praises of all creation back to the Creator. And then we know that on the seventh day, that when everything was finished and the pinnacle of His creation, you and me, which is some, sometimes comforting and sometimes terrifying, that, that we were the, His best work. Um, <laughs> and, and, and yet, He said that it's very good. And on that seventh day, it says that he rested. And it was because it was complete, not because he was tired, but he rested. And, and, and the unending Sabbath began on that day. But again, we're familiar with the story, and we know that we, we just read one more chapter, and we find ourselves in Genesis chapter 3, and disaster strikes uh, with the temptation by the serpent uh, for, for Adam and Eve to uh, rebel against the rule of God. And, and then... The Sabbath ends, and and immediately there's there's this. Um, I think I even have the verse. Uh, I will put enmity between you and the woman, uh, speaking to the serpent, which is a you know again a representation of the enemy that that we still find ourselves bumping up against on a regular basis. Uh, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He will bruise your head. And you shall bruise his heel. Or other versions say that that uh, he will crush your head, and, and he will strike your heel. So there's this there's this picture, right back in the in the third third chapter of the Bible that says there's going to be something coming that's going to rescue this broken humanity out of the mess that we find ourselves. And it's the first announcement that there's been that's been a break in the Sabbath, and a rescue mission is announced to bring humanity back home. There needs to be a, a, a new Adam, because the first one has 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 failed, uh, and and there's this announcement that something's going to happen. There's going to be a, a new Adam to start over and create a new family of God. And so it's the beginning of day eight. Day eight, uh, you know, numbers have significance. They can be over they can be overemphasized, but but they have significance in the scriptures. And eight speaks of the of the resurrection. It speaks of the of the new beginning. And, it, and it's even, uh, you know, even Peter was quoting it in 1 Peter 3.20. It says, And to those who were disobedient long ago when God patiently waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. But in it, only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. And there's, there's these pictures all the way through the Old Testament of this day of rescue is going to come. Something's going to come. Someone's going to come. And so we find ourselves in, into the New Testament and in the beginning of John's Gospel. And John's Gospel is such a beautifully written Gospel. It's my favorite. Um, you know, it's, it's different from Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They're synoptic Gospels. They're the, they're the, they're the, they're the story. They're the, they're the synopsis of Jesus' life and ministry on earth and his, and his death, his burial, and his resurrection. But John kind of takes this, this broad picture, and, 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 and it's almost like it's an echo or it's a, it's, a rep, it's a reprise of Genesis. It starts the same way. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. And in him was life, and that life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. And, 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 and it, it goes on. And, and John's gospel is, is, this, is this beautiful parallel to, to, um, 
to the first couple of chapters of Genesis. You know, John's, John's gospel has, it's got not seven days, but it has seven signs, seven smeons, seven attesting miracles that point to Jesus' divinity, to his, to, his ability, to his right to say, I am the Son of God and I am the Son of Man. Uh, it has seven I am names that, that, that describe who Jesus is. And at the end of John's gospel, there's this beautiful, you know, in some ways a, a kind of a random account of the, of the first day after the Sabbath had finished, uh, when the resurrected Christ, who had not yet gone to the Father, encounters Mary at the tomb, and he says to Mary, woman, who are you looking for? And again, it's an echo of that, of that Genesis 3 picture of, of God looking at, you know, Adam, Eve, where are you? At that point, they were hiding. This time, God comes looking. It's, it's this beautiful parallels, and you know, the, the, it'd be so much more fun to kind of unpack some of that. Um, but we don't have time for that, for which you will breathe a collective sigh of relief. Um, but, but Jesus is the eighth day of Genesis. He, he's the great reversal of sin and, and death. He's the firstborn from the dead, the Bible talks about. All, all these beautiful names that, that describe him. Paul writes about uh, the, the first and second Adam, again, picking up this. He says, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, Adam, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people because all sinned. But to be sure, sin was in the world before the, before the law was given. But sin is not charged against anyone's account where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, and even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who was a pattern of the one to come. But the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came from the great and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? And nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of one man's sin? The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of the one man death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? And consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. The law was brought in so that the trespass might increase. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more, so that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, Paul's writing sometimes is like, the end of it you go, huh? <laughs> Where are you going with that, fella? And, but what he's saying is he's saying that Jesus is, you know, that, that, that because of the disobedience of, of the original Adam, sin and death entered the human race. We've, we've not been able to throw that off. It's, it's, it's genetically programmed into us. And so we needed a rescuer. We needed a second Adam. We did, you know, the, the family that God had created to be His 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 image had been marred, <clears throat> and and so a, a second Adam has to come to start a new family. 
And, and if you know, we're, we're aware of just how one act of unrighteousness has, has infected all of humanity, he's saying, just think about what one act of righteousness by this Christ Jesus could have uh, on the human race. And so, you know, now, the reason, the reason that Jesus, you know, sometimes, you know, in our, in our I don't know, in, in our daydreaming moments, you know, you kind of go, could God have rescued us in a different way? You know, could, could he have broken into, the, into humanity and into time in a different way? But the reality is this, that Jesus couldn't be parachuted in as a rescuer, you know. I, I, it's, it's interesting that the, the theme, you know, the, the theme of, of the Bible is a theme that's, that's echoed in, in most movies, you know. It's, it's the, you know, there's, there's a scene is set, there's, there's some terrible thing that happens, there's, there's the, the big battle, and then there's a resolution. Well, it's, it's I, I mean, that's that's the human condition. We're, we're looking for, you know, a, a Marvel superhero to come in and, and save us, you know, to change the world. Or, you know, this 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 is almost written in, 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 in humanity's genes. We're like, we know we need a rescuer. You know, we know we're vulnerable. We know we're in trouble. And so we need someone to come and rescue us. But Jesus couldn't be parachuted in like Superman. He couldn't be parachuted in like, you know, like, like one of those superheroes. Uh, because otherwise people would say, well, but you don't know what it's like to live this life as a human. You, 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 have, you don't realize how difficult it is to face temptation you know, in a vulnerable moment and, and go, I couldn't help it. You know, because we've all been there. You know, we all know what it's like to face, to be overwhelmed with temptation, to do something, to say something, to think something, and, and you know, to act on something, and then and then to spend a, a lifetime regretting it. We, you know, we're we're aware of what that's like. So no, he couldn't be parachuted in. He had to be incarnated. He had to be one of us. He had to face everything that we face. You know, and sometimes sometimes we have a we have a, a, a mental picture of Jesus as as being it's, it's sort of an, an anachronistic picture of Jesus that he's, you know, he wouldn't understand the complications of the age that we find ourselves in. You know, I, I mean, what, how could he understand? You know, all the all the things that are happening in the world right now, all the you know, all the all the cultural influences, all the technological influences. How could he understand that? What he he could because he's he, he's the creator. He 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 put he put all the thinking that's created all those things. He put all that into being, and so we find ourselves in Advent, thinking about this God's rescue mission, the eighth day, the the remedy for for Genesis three. How is he going to do it? And and we know you know we know the story, but this but but it's important for us to focus again in on on, on Jesus. You know, I, 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 love, I love this thought that Jesus had to become fully human in order to fully rescue us. You know, it, it's so important. Carmen Joy Ives, she, she writes, she says so many smart things. But she writes this. She says, Jesus is not the image of God because he's God. He, Jesus is the image of God because he's human. Now, you know, we, we can sometimes read the scriptures with, with sort of blinkers on or, or, or filters on that kind of think, well, you know, he, he, was, he was God. What's the big deal? You know, he knew he was going to get rescued. You know, he, he knew that death couldn't hold him down. You know, he, he knew these things. But no, he, he entered this life as a human. He was the image of God, uh, n- not because of his divinity, 
in fact, in, in fact, Philippians 2, there's that beautiful chapter, the kenosis, where he emptied himself of, of the independent exercise of, of the use of all his divine attributes. He, he, he was fully human uh, as he lived on this life. So, you know, and he doesn't, he doesn't need anything to, to become the image of God because he just, he, he already was God. So, so the emphasis for us, I think, on this Advent as we, as we, as we kind of pull, pull all we've been learning over the last couple of months and bring it into this Advent series and we, and we focus in on, on that first candle and we, and we focus in on, you know, what it, what it, how did he rescue us and, and, ha- and how effective has this rescue been? It just reminds us that his humanity makes him the image of God, just like us. That we also are images of God. We are the, uh, you know, I love in that first in that very first talk, Jonathan talked about, you know, that we're we're the idols, we're, the, we're idols put in the put in the temple to represent God. Beautiful thought, crazy thought, but beautiful thought. You know, and Jesus himself, uh, because he was human, was an image of God. You know, and and again. Sometimes, sometimes we we can be tainted by by a, a, an almost um, a, a gnostic kind of faith, which thinks that that the physical world, the material world, it's so tainted, you know that that please God, just get me out of here, you know, get me out of this terrible, tainted, ruined world, and, you know, and even my flesh, even my body, I'm embarrassed to have it, you know, and, and yet. The creator of the universe was, was happy to put on flesh and blood, uh, to be covered in skin, you know, to, you know, to, to and, and he's still content to wear the scars of his humanity that were imposed on him by humanity. It's an incredible thing that, that he, still, he still, for all eternity, will carry the crucifixion scars, that he's that united with us in his rescue. And uh, again, moving on, the, the sun is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. And after he had provided purification for sin, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. And again, there's this, there's this picture that runs through the scriptures of this rescuer who has become totally human, not, not part-time human. He, he is forever changed because of the incarnation. It's not like, well, that was that was a... That was a pretty rugged 33 years, but thank God, thank myself, that I am out of it and, and back safely in heaven sitting at the right hand of the Father. No, it's, it's, it's this reality that he's, he is fully at home on earth as he is in heaven. It's a beautiful thing. My, um, my f- favorite spot, I have a, a, a cheap imitation Eames chair, and that footstool is the place where I relax. And... and um, you know, and it's interesting that, that these, these verses in, in Isaiah, this is what the Lord says, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Where's the house you'll build for me? Where, where will my resting place be? And again, um, it's picked up in, uh, in the book of Acts in, in uh, chapter 7, verse 49. Heaven is my throne, the earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord? Where will my resting place be? What, he, what he's saying is this, there's no place you can build because he's home. Earth is home and heaven, heaven is home. He's, he's not looking for us to build anything. The temple has been built. The temple is all of creation and, and we find ourselves in that. 
You know, the, the, the place where, where my footstool sits is a place where I, I almost always kind of let out a, <sighs> good to be here. You know, I sit there and read and talk with people and, you know, stare out the window and doom scroll and, <laughs> you know, <laughs> do all those beautiful human things, you know. It's, and, 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 and it's interesting that, that God chooses to say that earth is his footstool. Because what he's what he's trying to he's trying to draw this picture of, he is totally at home here. He's not embarrassed about earth. He's not embarrassed about human bodies. He's not embarrassed about uh, about the creation. You know, it's you know his his coming to earth as a human being was as much a homecoming as it was a rescue mission. That he's utterly at home. He's not embarrassed by us. He's not embarrassed about earth. He's fully here. You know, but, but then we have to ask the question, but why, why then, if he's come the first time and he can come to us you know, because, of our, because of our relationship with him, because we've surrendered our lives to him and, we, and, and we've built this relationship with him that he can come at any moment in the middle of our work, you know, in our most terrified moment, in our most happy moment, you know, in, our, in our daydreaming moment, he can come. And we can, and, and Jesus is right there with us. You know, when we when we gathered here today, there was this beautiful promise that we're two or three gather in my name. There I am in, in your midst, and 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 He's here. And, you know, part of the reason that we sing songs is, is to acknowledge His presence and to go. We we recognize you're here, Jesus. It's it's beautiful to uh, you know to, to welcome you and 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 to and to have you as as our honored guest. In our gathering, it's it's that kind of picture, and then we have to ask, why? You know, when's he coming back? For crying out loud, because this place is such a mess. You know, I, I, I mean, even in here, the the floor's sticky, the the <laughs> toilets are blocked. You know, I mean, it's a living representation of. You know, there's a couple of lessons there. You know, if you're if you lease a building, don't ever rent it out for for twenty firsts, um, and um, and um, and and it's also just a reminder of how easily we mess up what, what's quite beautiful. You know? um, so we ask ourselves, you know, wh- why? When's he going to come? How does this thing work that we're celebrating the, the coming of Christ and yet we're still, knowing that he came 2,000 years ago, we still have this longing in our hearts. You know, we know that he's rescued us. We know that our, you know, that our, our future life, our present and our future life, is safe in him. That that wherever he is, that's where we'll be. You know that that we have that. But why is you know why is he why is he delaying? And and the scriptures have these two kind of concepts of time. They have chronos time, you know, which is the the, the second by second. You know, the, the moment we say something, it's gone. It's in the past. So so we're familiar with the the, the ticking or the measuring of, of duration. Time time is merely the the measuring of duration. What was what was once present is now past and what we what's not yet happened is the future yeah we're familiar with that and the, and we've got and we've developed instruments to try and measure that which is all very beautiful um so the the first coming happened in chronos time two thousand years ago and on the 25th of december for some unknown reason some monk decided a long long time ago that would be a beautiful day to celebrate it because it snows that monk had never been in the southern hemisphere. He had no idea that that's when the barbecues come out. But uh, and 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 then 
the second advent, this thing of him coming to us in our daily life, is both chronos, because it's, it's w- whenever we need him, he's there. But it's also kairos, because he's still seated at the right hand of the Father. And earth is still his footstool. And yet he comes to us in our need. You know, so, so there's this kind of sense. So, so kairos time is, is like, this, it's like this moment of time. It's not duration. It's experiential. It, it's, a, it's a moment when he comes. And, and we experience kairos time. You know, I mean, all of us have experienced you know, the, the lengthening and the shortening of time. You know, when you're, um, uh, I don't know, when you're waiting for the lights to turn, to turn green. I mean, that's, that's a moment where time lengthens. <laughs> it's like, when will this ever turn green, you know? Uh, and, 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 the, and when you're, when you're taking, you know, when you open up that, that bar of chocolate, and, and time just contracts, and before you know it, the whole darn thing's been consumed. It's like, when did that happen? I don't... Lisa's been here, and, you know, it's <laughs> she's eaten my chocolate bar. <laughs> but, you know, but we know that there's moments when, when there's so much pleasure, there's so much joy in it, that it just seems like it's just gone, you know. It, I, I, wish, I wish that could last as long as a dentist visit, you know. It, you know <laughs> but it, it goes the wrong way around. And, and, the th- and the third coming is yet to happen in Kronos time, and... And but the tricky thing is that it's already happened in Kairos time. That, that is that he's already said, I will rescue you, I will wrap up all this. So so when we're reading when we're reading the scripture, the, the second coming is already a reality as far as the scriptures are concerned. It hasn't happened yet in Kronos time, and it will happen in Kronos time. But for us it's real. It's it's as real as if it's happened. Jesus' work was finished on the cross. You know, when he uttered those words, it is finished, it was finished. There was there was still years, millennia to, to take place, but it was finished in that moment. It was wrapped up, everything was done. And then he sat down and again, going back to the book of Genesis, it was that seventh day again. So the eighth day of Jesus took us back to the seventh day of the unending Sabbath. It's this beautiful thing that he's inviting us into, uh, back into what he intended to do. It was the rescue, it was the intervention, you know, and, it's, and, and his finished work on the cross and in the resurrection and in, in the ascension is just as real today as it was back then. You know, when we're, when we're baptized, that, that, that reality that we're baptized into Jesus' death, burial and resurrection, we're not in the same chronos time, but it's but it's in but we're in the Kairos time. That moment we go under that water and come back out again, it's it's as if we were right there with Jesus in the death, burial, and resurrection. But one of the things I guess that we're aware of, in particular at a time of year like this, is is why do we still have this deep longing in our hearts for everything to be put right? You know, why why is there a longing? You, you can't watch the news at the moment, or you can't, you, you can't, you know, read a news app without just thinking, my goodness, the world is in a mess, you know, the, you know, what's not, what's not wrong, you know, out there, you know, what's not in trouble out there, and also what's not, you know, what's in trouble here as well, and the reason that we groan is because everything is not as it should be. You know, our very being groans. You know, Paul talks about all creation groaning for the revealing of the sons of God. 
you know, we're longing for the fulfillment in Kronos time of what's already taken place in Kairos time. And, and, and the lovely thing is we experience him right now and in any moment we can lean into him and have our advent. You know, it's, it's an incredible thing. You know, tonight as you're going, you know, as you're, as you're preparing to go to sleep and you're about to close your eyes and sleep, you can still lean in and have an advent time. He'll come. He'll come to us. He'll, he'll touch us. He'll speak to us. You know, he'll comfort us. But there's this longing for everything to be put right. That's why our hearts groan, Maranatha, you know, come, Lord Jesus. <clears throat> and we look forward to the second coming. You know, in some ways, he, he could not be a just God to, to, to come, to die on the cross, to be buried, to be resurrected, and to ascend, unless there was going to be some kind of wrapping up of the mess we got ourselves into. He's the first fruit. He's the, first, he's, the, he's the firstborn from the dead. He's the second Adam. It's a new family that he started. And, and, and yet we're still living in the, and waiting in anticipation for all those promises to be fulfilled. So what's my conclusion today? Because it's, you know, like I said, I've tried to, I, I, I've tried my best to try and pull some of the strands from the series that we've been in and, and bring them together in this season of Advent, this season of, of waiting for the coming of Christ that we're longing for that. And I, I, I love this. There's a lot, of, a lot of verses that I love in the scriptures, as you can tell, same as you guys. But in, in Psalm 34, verse 5, those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. You know, isn't, isn't that a beautiful thing? That, 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 that's an Advent moment, that we look to him and he comes to us. And he, and he takes away our guilt. And he, he takes away the damage that we've done to ourselves, you know. And as, and as people who are God's image bearers, you know, this is the way that we live as we anticipate and long for the continued advent and the yet-to-come advent, that we live with this deep sense of, of leaning into him. We model our lives on the first human that's been able to, to navigate life without sinning. That we look at Jesus, you know, so, so as with every good series, they should always start with Jesus and they should always end with Jesus. You know? and, and we come to the end of, of, the, of the, uh, being the image of God and, and it inevitably takes us to this man, Christ Jesus, the one who we look at and say, he faced, there's no temptation he didn't face that we won't, that, sorry, there's no temptation that, that, that we face that he didn't face in some real form, not, you know, not some fake form. He, he, he faced everything that we would that we would face he he didn't he didn't escape it he took on humanity completely and so we think back about this thing that that we each one of us sitting here our our imperfect self was created to be an image or an idol or a replica of god in this temple of his creation uh, the universe and that we're to reflect God's wisdom to the world, and God's glory back to him. Beautiful, beautiful job that we've been given. We've been given that as our, as our creative work, that, that we allow our present suffering to form us and to conform us to the, to the likeness of Jesus, that, that we are embodied. We're not ashamed of our bodies. We're, you know, it's not, please, God, get me out of this body. It's thank you for giving me this body. I, I want to... 
I, I want to I, I want to own it. I want to I want to love it more, because because it is made in the image of God, and and so we you know we spent time about that that, you know again you know we're not we're we're embodied creatures. We're not longing to get out of this thing. We're not we're not Gnostics. So we're just like you know, if I could just get away from the body, I'd be I'd be great. We're we're images of God, made in humanity. We're made male and female. We're made for each other and for community. And that we have been made living, active, vital members of God's new community. And, 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 and his invitation to us is that we would become fully human. Advent is a reminder that he's come to make us fully human. Not to escape, not to, not to jettison us out of here. He didn't, he didn't parachute in and he's not going to jettison us out. So he says this, uh, Paul says this, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, I should look at this other screen just so that there's a bit of balance going on. Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is true worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and, and perfect will. And to give you the executive summary of my message, which should have given you right at the beginning, but it saved us a lot of time. Jesus became human so that we could become truly human. He's, he's not looking to rescue us out of this. He is looking for us to become human, to become fully human, to become humans modeled on him, to become humans who treat one another like he treated people, to become humans who see the world through his eyes, you know, that, that he's given us this perfect model. It doesn't mean we're going to mess up, you know, doesn't mean that we're not going to mess up, that we're going to be able to, from this point on, kind of live our lives perfectly. Of course not. We're going to stumble and fall. We're going to get covered in dirt. But, but his invitation is always to stand up again because I'm coming. I'm coming and I'm going to wrap it up one of these days. But until that time, you've got time to grow into the image of Christ. That, that, his, that his invitation for us is to become a true image of God in his wonderful creation. It's, it's, such, it's such a noble calling that he's given us, you know. And, and my hope and my prayer for this Advent season is, is yes, we'll celebrate the baby in, in the manger, but we won't stop there, you know. We'll we, we recognize that that incredible act, <sighs> I, I, I don't even have an English word to describe what it would be like for the, for the perfect, the, the, the second person of the Godhead to become a helpless boy, I, I can't even figure that out. But, but the, the courage, the, the tenacity, the, the, the single-mindedness of this rescue, for him to become one of us in the most vulnerable way is incredible. And his intention for us is to keep looking to him, you know, that we'd, that we'd, that we'd look to him. And allow his life to be radiant through us, that, that, we, would, that we would be true beacons of light in, in, a, in a world that's dark, you know, that, that we'd be true agents of hope in a, in a world that's hopeless, that, that we'd be true uh, uh, objects of love in a, in a world that's full of hate and division, that, that we could 
that his invitation to us this Advent is, is, you know, is, is to tell his story. You know, as we, as we kind of rumble our way into Christmas, there's, there's going to be multiple opportunities for us to talk about him. And that he would, that he would help us, that he'd give us words that would, that would help people think beyond the baby, celebrate the baby, but beyond the baby. That we would lean into this, into this human condition of, and that's why something inside of me groans every day, because there's more. Because I need to grow into the full image of God. <laughs> and with that dramatic end, <laughs> we should indeed finish. Right? Why, don't, why don't you stand with me? <clears throat> so, Jesus, I, at a time like this, I'm just overwhelmed with the, the, um, my incapacity to find the right words to express how amazing you are. God, we just, we love you so, so much. Lord, and we're, again, we're just overwhelmed by the depth and the, and the enormity of your rescue mission. That you, that you immediately, when things went wrong in Genesis 3, you immediately announced your coming. And so today, we lean into that coming again. We thank you that you are coming. We thank you that you have come, that you are coming, and that you will come. And we live with that incredible reality. Lord, would you give us exactly what we need, Lord, to be people of the Advent today. So come, Lord, fill us again with your Holy Spirit. And I'm going to invite us just, just really simply, just where we're standing. Um, if you want to, some good, clearly some good preaching going on upstairs as well. <coughs> we're, we're in a hot place. Um, but it would, be, it would be great for us to, to just posture ourselves in the way to receive. Because the Advent is all about receiving. It's, it's all about, he's come that we might receive him. He's so good. And so let's posture ourselves in such a way that we might receive all that he has for us this Advent season. That we're going to receive his coming in the present tense right now. It's not going to negate our longing for him to come to to um, to to wind everything up and to bring and to bring all things to completion, but he can come right now. So as we stand in this posture of of receiving, Lord, would you come fill us again, Lord? In, in our weariness, we ask you that you would come, let your presence come.